Today's show is brought to you by Bombas. Save 20% on your first order at www.getbombas.com slash holybackboard. All right, everyone. Welcome to the 77th edition of the Holy Backboard Podcast. I am Dustin here in rainy Rip City, and I got my man. Man, the 77th? Whew. That is, that is a special that's a special number in Blazer's lore. So I'm glad to be doing this so long. That we got to the, the great number 77. Can't stop, won't stop. For those that don't know, Portland won their one and only championship in 1977. Man, 77 episodes with you, bro. It's 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 been crazy. It's been crazy, and what has been crazy has been this entire 2017 season. I can't remember. It's been a long time since we've had a roller coaster year like this, and... Game three was basically the epitome of this season in a nutshell. Uh, Portland eventually um, lost 119 to 113, but they came out like gangbusters. And everything was ebbing and flowing. The ball movement was magnificent. Nurt came in, was looking to distribute solely. I think he only took one or two shots. But his passing is so amazing that... He literally looked like Sabonis out there. The moment the ball got into his hands, it was to a wide open shooter. Then get swung around the perimeter and the basketball was beautiful. However, he definitely was nowhere near 100%. Absolutely not. And he was on a 15 minute restriction, which he only played 17. So he really uh, was was stuck to that, that minute limitation and... The Warriors were able to get away with uh, the more physical defense, and they really clamped down. They forced other ball handlers to make decisions and uh, to take open shots, and that resulted in a lot of turnovers for the Trailblazers, and the the Warriors took complete advantage, uh, not only on the fast break points, but with Nurk out of the game. JaVale McGee, once again, uh, made his impact known uh, in a big way and was, was a catalyst, and they really ran off. Uh, a huge run, which I think all Trailblazer fans knew was coming. Portland was up by 17 in the second quarter, uh, 16 in the third, before I think it was a 19-1 to run to take a, a two-point lead. Portland tried to get the momentum back. They led by one going into the fourth, but it was firmly in the visitors' camp, and there was really not much Portland could do until we all knew the end result. Um, I mean, you the... the- there's nobody that is safe against the Warriors. That team is too talented, too well-coached, too smart as personnel-wise. No lead is safe. And when they got that rhythm going, it, there was not a lot of stuff that we could do to combat that. And that's just something we're going to have to deal with for the foreseeable future. This team is just really well well, coach, like everything's about that. Everything about him is per- damn near They perfect. have two of the greatest shooters of all time. No lead is safe. Uh, I remember when we beat them uh, last year after the All-Star break. They were at full strength. We were at full strength. We were up by like 20 with like six minutes to go, and I'm still like chanting defense every single possession, praying they miss a shot because 
in reality, that is only seven. That's only a seven possession lead with the Warriors with the way they shoot threes. And we saw Clay Thompson, who did not have another strong performance. He he was all right. He shot eight of twenty one for twenty four points. But there was a stretch in that third quarter when he had hit four or five consecutive baskets, and that's all it took, Sage. And the lead evaporated in the bat of an eye. Well, when they see the ball go through the basket, it just gives them this supreme confidence to do whatever the fuck they want. I mean, I I loved watching that first half, but I think any logical Blazer fan knew that this run was going to happen. Exactly. Like, we were up 13 at half, and I was like, okay, we're doing well. But, again, you could see that only happened when Nurk was in the game. And his impact was immediate. He grabbed almost every single rebound that came in his vicinity. The dude had 11 rebounds in 17 minutes of action. He had four assists and really dictated everything the Blazers wanted to do on offense. And I watched Talking Ball after the game. Orlando Williams was operating um, and analyzing the plays in which he was involved in the pick and roll. And you can see the attention that Golden State puts on him. Draymond Green has to come up and meet him. And it allowed him to either kick it outside for open three or he'd pass it and the ball would get swung and CJ was open for um, a three. Like his decision making is so invaluable and he commands so much respect off of that pick and roll that the offense is so it's it's night and day. You cannot mm-hmm. compare the Blazer offense with Nurk and without it's it's like watching uh NBA and high school. It's not even NBA and college. It is so completely different. His gravitational pull on offense. They have to take account what he is doing at all times. When it's Noah Vonley doing it or Alfred Camino, they have no gravitational pull. There's no urgency to see what this guy is doing. But with Nurk, he's an established big. I'm assuming they looked at some of the game tape of what Portland is like with Nurkic. It's a whole different animal, and they respected the hell out of what he can do on offense. That injury, I mean, he, he's he was he was fucked up. He was not one hundred percent. He 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 was labored, but even his intelligence of kicking it to the right guy helped us so much. And it was really I'm trying to find the right word. I had butterflies in my stomach all day, like getting ready for this game, you know, is, and then you hear the news, like he's been upgraded. Like, is he going to play? Is he not going to play? Like that anticipation and finally hearing he's going to play like the lead up to game three, as I was walking over the Broadway bridge to the Rose garden, you know, that, that is something that I live for home playoff games. You don't get a lot of them of Utah jazz. In fact, just won their first home playoff game in seven seasons. We won one last year. So this shit is rare. I know people get upset and think we might be mediocre or, you know, stuck in NBA, you know, purgatory. But think of the Kings. Think of the Timberwolves, the Brooklyn fucking Nets. Um, Yeah, we've had our hearts ripped out and we have big time injury concerns uh, with a lot of franchise altering players and altering decisions we've made. But. At the end of the day, we've still made a lot of memories, Sage, and I think a lot of people 
don't take that into consideration and just want instant satisfaction or they want instant gratification. And and frankly, it's not going to happen. We mentioned this earlier in the postseason. Only 11 franchises out of 30 have won a championship over the last 32 years. So if your ultimate goal is to only win a championship as a fan of the Portland Trailblazers, my friend, I'm sorry, you're not going to be a satisfied fan and you're devoting all your time and effort and energy into this hobby. You just need to alter your expectations a bit because by all intents and purposes, this season was a, a pretty big disappointment. However, adding Nurkic really revitalized this town, this team, um, this fan base. And the glimpses that we saw from him give me so much hope for the future that I don't give a fuck if we get swept. Um, I know prior to this playoff series, it's like, I just want one win. I just want one. You know, I still would like one, but we've played the Warriors three times. Nurk really has played a quarter of those 12 quarters. And outside outside of the second half of game two, we have held our own with this team. And... Steph and Clay aren't beating us, and I think that's very important to point out. We held them again to a subpar shooting night. Steph was 10 of 25, 5 of 14 from 3. Clay, 8 of 21, 4 of 9 of 3. With the way our personnel is, we are able to switch and make life pretty miserable for them. It's the role players, it's the JaVale McGee's going in the game and you saw whenever Nurk went out, Mike Brown went to McGee and they, they, they did business. Uh, he again was unstoppable. He had 14 points, six of eight shooting. And he had that amazing alley-oop that I think really energized and sparked that warrior comeback. But with Nurk there and, you know, bring Ed Davis, a healthy Ed Davis back next year, or you draft a young big, that play is completely irrelevant. Like it stops all of that bullshit. And I think people just get so up in arms like, oh, we're getting beat by JaVale McGee, an NBA outcast, you know, Shaq and the Fool. Take a second and, and just he, use... he's had good moments in the NBA on the but Yes, but just use some common sense, though. They are running a lob play for a 7-2 center against Al Farouk Aminu and Noah Vonley, who are 6-8 and 6-9. Um, just, I just wish people would think before they react a bit. And I was pretty pretty upset with what i saw from from rip city after that loss uh, i know i know we had a lot of level-headed fans who, who you know we interact with but just you know i read the message boards you know some of the tweets and it's just there was so much nonsense i had to turn it off and i was just you know let's do something else well i i i gotta address like the people that wanted us to get the 14th I think Nurk is better than damn near all of the prospects that we could have gotten with the 14th pick. I, I will go one further. A healthy Nurkic is better than any draft pick in this this class. Uh... We're look, we're, yes, we are looking at a young Sabonis Marc Gasol. He is 22 years old, Sage. If he stays healthy, I know we've said this with Odin, if he stays healthy, there's no answer. The Warriors, The Warriors do not worry me as much with Nurkic because they have no answer for him. He so, is amazing talent. I was talking with a friend of the show, Michael Gonzalez, and I was like, where do you rake Nurkic now in the realm of centers? Not projecting to the future, where do you rake him now? Who, who, What centers would you rather have than Nurkic today? 
of all time? No, 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 no. In the NBA right this second, which ones would you rather have? Just for one series? One season, yeah. I mean, you got to look at Marc Gasol, definitely. Um, Boogie Cousins. Cat. Potentially, potentially Boogie Cousins. His, He's fat, but I'd yes. still rather take him. But uh, uh, Gobert. Yep, I think you got to go Rudy Gobert as well, just for this year. Um, DeAndre Jordan. I mean, Hassan Whiteside. I I would rather have Nurk than Whiteside, personally. Just for this year, and just because Nurk has, has the injury history, I'm going to give the nod to Whiteside. Cat. Yeah, but he's really a power forward to me, man. I think they... But what I'm trying to say is he's... He's arguably, already top 10. Yeah, he's arguably top, top, seven, top 7 center. Yes. You can argue with me about Draymond, or no, Andre Drummond, excuse me, or Whiteside, but I'm taking Nurk over both of them because Whiteside isn't the offensive player, and Drummond, I think, has plateaued offensively. I take Nurk over both of them. So, arguably a top seven center, he that's going to be better than what we can get with the 10th pick or the 11th pick. And we'll go over all of those draft, we'll go over certain draft picks this year, but what he is and what he is right now is much better than what hoping Isaac can become or what someone else. I, I like the certainty of having a top seven center. Not many teams have a top 10 center, only 10 of them. So we have a key asset and he fuck it. He meshes with the team and he's the, our asshole. He does a lot of things, right? So I know it's fun to play with the future, and what if we get a top three pick? How many last pick in the lottery actually get that first pick? I believe it was the Chicago Bulls who picked projected lottery ninth, moved up the highest in in, in the lottery era, um, in terms of drawing for only the top three pick era. And I wanted to re-address um, my statements. It wasn't Nurk now is more valuable than any player in the upcoming draft. I'm projecting Nurk is going to be is better. He's going to be better than anybody in this draft if he stays healthy. There is, he is an animal. And if, if you if you give me a choice of taking the next Marcus Gasol or you know the next Jason Kidd, I know Jason Kidd was probably the better overall player, but in today's NBA, with how many point guards are out there, give me the big man because whether they are, they're going to skill ball like you mentioned, or they, they say that the big man is dying. Aside from Jordan. Big men have ruled the league. You know, big men get it done. And I mean, when you have a talented one, you utilize them. And especially in a Terry Stotts offense, when it is high pick and roll, trying to get two of the best pure scores in the NBA off, you need a big target down low to, like you said, have that gravitational pull from the defense. So they have to focus on him. They have to pay him attention. If they don't, it's going to be, you know, dropping dimes. And... and People say that like wanting the playoffs is short-sighted. But again, if we had Mason Plumley, I would probably agree with you. But we have hundred percent, hundred percent. But now that you have, we have a elite center having the fifteenth pick, the game changer. It doesn't really matter as much as the fourteenth. It's literally one pick. If you look at like the statistics of the league, fourteen and fifteen really don't mean that much. If you wanted a, a game changer, it's Top five. There was no way we were getting a top five. I'll do you one better. There is not much with with Williams from Texas A and M putting his name 
or removing his name, Miles Bridges withdrawing his name. I don't see much of a drop from from 10 to 15. I also think Portland also has three picks. So if they really like a guy, they can move up to get him. Bash on the tanking people because I, you know, I was with them for a long time. But once that trade happened, you got to readjust what your your expectations again. You have to be flexible. You have to adapt in your expectations. Exactly right. I mean, and... do you think Wendy's is th- wanting to be the biggest fast food chain? No. They want to ha- give people jobs and sell hamburgers. They don't want to be the best. They can't. So NBA teams have to readjust their expectations just like fast food chains. It- it's all about the competition. If we can't compete with number one, readjust it. We're still having fun basketball. We're still in the playoffs. That's fine. Winning a championship is fucking hard, and we don't have it because of the fucking Warriors' eliteness. And I guess what I'm trying to say is people are so short-sighted, they're forgetting how well we played with Nurkic. We were 13-3 and in March, the NBA's best record. We beat the Spurs, who ended up with the 60-plus wins, number two record in the entire NBA, on the road. We beat the Rockets, who had the third-best record in the NBA. We beat the Thunder twice with potential MVP Russell Westbrook. That is not a- an easy stretch, and we were 13-3, and three, and it was all because of the Nurkic factor. He elevated everyone around him, and the team fed off of him, and his injury happened at the worst possible time, right after we had gained just enough ground on Denver to pass them, and we had a home um, heavy schedule down the stretch and you know dame went bananas and 59 against the jazz and that was amazing and ac went eight of nine from three against the wolves so even if you were like oh, okay nurk it's out okay let's not get the playoffs we were in too deep at that point so let's just beat beat beep on the expectations back up the truck and just enjoy the last game of the season if if it is because like i said outside of game Game two, quarters three and four. Series has been fun. It's been competitive. And that's really all I was asking for is like, okay, if Nurk's not going to play, just show up. And to this point, our team has. What was the most outrageous take that you saw? People were so, this was on Rip City too, the message boards. People were so upset at that game. Somebody actually floated an al Aminu for Nick Young trade proposal and it wasn't mocked at. Um, <laughs> I, I think that's when I shut it down for the night. I was like, Jesus Christ. Um, I, I love Rip City. I love the passionate fans that we have. But sometimes just, man. They you, wanted you, to give him away. They they were very adamant about trading him for a second round pick. Why would you? Never mind. But I, I don't understand. Al Farouk Aminu played a pretty damn good game. Who 14. would be our best defensive player if Al Farouk was gone and we had Nick he Young played instead? Good defense. He had 14 points, shot 50%, grabbed nine boards, uh, two dimes, a steal, and a block. He, he filled up the stat sheet. Uh, he only took four threes, made the only free throw he wanted, or he, he attempted. I don't know why you're blaming him for... Well, they, 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 they like blaming players that aren't the main reason like Myers and Al Farouk. Uh, that's not the reason we're it's like we, don't we're, we're. don't blame Aminu for having the ball in, in open court in the in a half court setting so we did the pick and roll and the ball got rotated to Aminu and he was he was open a couple times. He had he's, done, he's 
he's either going to take a shot or, you know, he tried to make a decision off the dribble drive and the Warriors swarmed him. Don't blame him for that. If you're going to blame anybody, blame Terry, Terry for, for putting him for okay. putting him in that situation. So, you know how I love looking at percentage of the cap because that's the proper way to look at value. He's 8% of the cap. Not mo- What are you expecting from a person that's not even 10% of your team? Be a complete player? We have a very good defensive and elite rebounder. I'm happy paying 8% of our cap to someone who can rebound at a power forward level, an elite power forward level, play defense really well. I mean, look closely at how the team is constructed. A sixth man, a, a, a third big and like a fifth big aren't killing us. It's, it's a lot of things that are making it tough for Rip City to prosper. I don't blame Al Farouk Amino or Myers Leonard that much. No, and I'm honestly a little surprised at how hard the fans were taking that loss. And this is coming from a diehard fan of 30 plus years. I wanted that. I only wanted just to win one game. Like I've stated that from from the beginning, and I was so pumped for the game. But like you said, while the game was playing, and I was cheering, you know, I was kind of being. Uh, rambunctious, like talking shit about Draymond, how he cost his team the championship last year. There were a few Warrior fans in front of me, so you know I, I knew they were having a good time with that. However, in the back of my mind, I knew that at any moment Steph or Clay could just go off and our lead would evaporate. And unfortunately, that's what happened. That's what's going to happen against arguably the greatest collection of offensive talents that the game has seen, and that's even without Kevin Durant. Um, I realized. I realized immediately that Nurkic wasn't 100% and he wasn't going to get a ton of minutes. So when he went out of the game, we had no defense for JaVale McGee. And then the Warriors finally decided to trap us. They trapped our guards and that was it. So honestly, as soon as the final buzzer sound, I stood up and I clapped. Like it was a, a great performance from the Blazers. They played their asses off. They fought valiantly and... You know, they played the best they could, and that's all I asked for. Uh, Are we going to get swept? There's a good chance we might get swept, but I'll tell you what, they will not go down without a fight. I saw a lot of people talking shit about Stotts, and you know me, I'm not the most, the biggest fan of him, but what was he supposed to do with a limited roster? He doesn't have many bigs, he can't do creative things to stop JaVale McGee when you don't have the players available. I mean, if he had Ed Davis or Festus Azili, sure, we can stop the alley-oops. I don't, I don't get the, just the, the pure hatred for him all of a sudden. Yeah, I saw things that, because of what I know about basketball, I thought he could change and take advantage of. I think that when David West is on the floor... We need to pick and roll him to death every time because he can't move his feet. He never could. That's why he w- was an all-star, not a superstar. We can do that, but there's there's no like creative way to stop this team it, with the weapons that we have and the injuries that we ha- that have inflicted us this year. It's no way. So it's tough because Portland's bread and butter is the high pick and roll without Nurkic. On one hand, you're like, 
okay, stop running the high pick and roll because you're only bringing the other defender over, and it, it forced our guys to the corner a couple times, and there were a few turnovers. But you look at it, and you know Portland survived without Nurkic utilizing a lot of those similar plays. But I think people need to just give the Warriors credit defensively. Um, they have the ability, especially in guys like Iguodala and Draymond Green, to switch and really execute that swarming, trapping defense mm-hmm. that many they can teams one just can't. Five with a lot of the lines that they have. So I just think people are forgetting who we're playing. Um, this was never going to be an easy task. So in June, this team we're playing right now could ultimately be holding up the championship. They will definitely get to the championship for the third consecutive year. Uh, they've won the most games over a three-year stretch in the regular season. This is not a normal team we're playing against. <laughs> no, we're not and playing would, the Clippers this time. I mean, I think regardless of how Game 4 plays out, we're playing almost any other team in the West right now. It's probably 2-2, my dude. Yeah, I'm, I, it, it just is who it, what it is with how we finish the year and where we were seated. I, I, I'm just going to enjoy the next game. I really don't... Like, this is the last Blazer basketball we'll see until October. I mean... There's going to be, like, this offseason's interesting, but this is the last chance we'll see this team for a little while. So enjoy this just watching of the collection of players that you know and love. And, you know, again, if we go back back to Nurkic, if he doesn't get hurt in that Denver game, I don't know if we lose the rest of the regular season and we easily catch Memphis. And we're we're the ones playing the Spurs right now. Mm -hmm. Uh that's definitely upset alert for me. And then you go into a scenario where you're playing probably the Rockets. And then, like, I don't think people realize how how much fire we caught. Like, we were on a roll. Mm-hmm. And it fucking sucks that another Blazer big has a, a lower body injury. But those are the cards we were dealt. And hopefully it heals up and we can make, make a run next year because... I think Nurkic is like our Buck Williams. He solves and hides mm-hmm. so many problems and holes that everyone else looks like they fit because he is on that roster. Yep. I mean, it's a bummer how this season is going to potentially end, but it is what it is. When you're when you're the eighth seed, you play the best team. And you know, I think just it just so happens that this year we might play the best team ever. Before we go into our, our game four preview, let's take a quick break from our uh, sponsors. For you, the listeners of the Holy Backboard podcast, Bombas is offering an opportunity to save 20% off your first order at getbombas.com slash holybackboard. Bombas is an online retailer of premium, high-performance athletic leisure socks for the whole family. Bombas socks have been engineered and designed to look better, feel better, and most importantly, perform better. Simply put, they are the most comfortable socks you'll ever put on your feet, and you'll feel good about the purchase. For every pair you buy... Bombas donates a special pair to those in need, and they have been engineered for their specific needs, and they've donated over a million pairs. 
Thank you, Bombas, for your sponsorship. And now back to the show. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Holy Backboard podcast. Dustin and Sage here. Uh, going to dive into game four. Sage, outside of, of pride, is there anything else the Blazers have to play for? I mean, this is the last time that they're going to ever play together, so they might as well say, fuck it, let's get a win. This was definitely going to be the last time this collection of players plays together. So if you want to win one for your brother, the one that you played this entire year for, might as well go all out. I mean, so pride and just love for your teammates. Yeah, and to, and to clarify, you mean just because it's the last game of all 15 playing together because yeah, 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 yeah. obviously people people change, but I mean Quarterman's going to be gone. Uh Festus yeah, is gone. I mean there's, well, there's... I, don't think, I don't know if Quarterman's I think Festus, yes. Well, and I mean, probably... oh, okay. this collection of players this will be the last time they play as a collective unit, so might as well play hard for your your brothers. And again, there are a lot of variables that go into this contest. Uh, Yusuf Nurkic will not play. He mentioned that his leg got progressively worse. Which um, I as did the... not like reading. I mean, like... But the the doctors did say that he had he, he would not be able to re, re-injure it. And, you know, if you're playing on something of course the longer you play the worse it's going to feel but i think they saw just where he was um in terms of timeline and obviously it's 3-0 even if we won that game i'm not i would have rested him i mean here's the deal that there's one thing we can't ignore and that is his history of leg problems and i'm i'm not trying to push our luck with this center that we have this new this new big man so I I personally wasn't really like if he wasn't a hundred percent I didn't want him to play. I respect what they did. They gave they gave, the doctors gave him clearance though. Like they would not have let him play if the doctors did not clear him. I I get that, but there's there's I mean of course there's a risk playing basketball. I I mean I they said the, there was not a chance that he could re aggravate that specific injury. However. If your comp- if your body's compensating for one part of your yeah, I mean, your leg, then there's a higher chance you could injure something else. So I'll give you that. But in terms of this leg, I believe the doctor not only cleared him, but said he did not have a chance of re-aggravating that, that um, exact same fibula fracture. So for that, if they gave him the, the clean bill of health, they, they left the decision up to him, ultimately. And he gutted it out. Um, they saw what happened. He, you know, we didn't do any additional damage to it. So thank, thankfully that happened, and you know the series is three zero. Again, now I'm with. Let's not push our luck. It's good that he's resting, but um, on the Golden State side, they still have Sean Livingston, Matt Barnes, Kevin Durant, and now Steve Kerr. Kerr is definitely out. He is experiencing um, surgery. Um, um post-surgery effects or after effects of the surgery where like spinal fluid is leaking. So that's definitely not good. So hopefully, um, you know, he takes care of that because, you know, of all of the warriors, he's the only really person I like uh, on them. He really stood up um, and, and talked his true feelings about uh, Donald Trump, which I appreciated. And he's always been, 
kind of like a forward thinker. So definitely get better, Steve. But if you're the Warriors, Warriors, excuse me, I, I don't think there's any reason to play Durant no. or Barnes or or Livingston, especially when you've got the Jazz and the Clippers looking like they're heading for seven games. You could potentially wrap up this series on Monday night and get an extra seven, eight days rest. Again, this is a team that doesn't need any rest because they've had so many blowouts this year. But when you're looking at the injured players, of course, like if, if I'm the Warriors, I there's no way I play Durant in, no. in that game. For. No, I mean, and the Warriors were smart. They had a guy in uh, Mike Brown that has coached finals. Finals. I mean, they have a staff I would love to steal from. I would still love to have Ron Adams be our associate head coach because he constructed that defense. I mean that 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 staff has plenty of competent player, uh, competent coaches. So, like, good on them for thinking ahead. Um, yeah, I, I, if I was Warriors, I wouldn't rest anyone. They can they they probably can beat us without all of those guys. Um, what does Portland have to do to finally break through against this Warriors team this year that they are currently? 0-7 against. Can they just get one? And how do they do that? I mean, this is the time where you just say, fuck it. I'm going all out. I mean, this is the this is the time where you're, if you want to win, you're going to act like Della Vadova. Deli. There you go. Della Vadova. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, if we're trying to win this, go all out. This, this is your last opportunity to, you know, do so. So, that's all I say. Play hard. We we probably can't out talent them. We can definitely out hustle them. You say play hard. I say play smart. The turnovers and the fast break points were the difference makers in, in that game three defeat. Portland had seventeen turnovers. Golden State just had six, um, which led to a lot of easy buckets in transition, especially that third quarter run. Golden State. Golden State was plus 16 on the fast break points and points off turnovers. They got 21 points off of our turnovers. Um, We only got 12. So in a nutshell, that was the difference. I will say that while it wasn't the reason we lost the game, I thought that officiating was just absolutely terrible from the get-go. At one point, it was like... um, we were called for nine fouls compared to their four to start the third quarter. It took like six or seven minutes before the Warriors were even whistled for a foul. Um, they were just allowed to play so much more physical. Draymond Green picked up two fouls. You knew they weren't going to give him his third before halftime. Um, just a lot of... I don't know why superstar players get the treatment and leeway they get because... We saw Greg Popovich just absolutely undress an official a, a few days ago and nothing. I mean, he got on the floor and just charged him and nothing. Draymond Green, after every single play, just chirping away. I don't know if they're intimidated, if they're given instructions to, you know, give these certain players longer leashes. it's been this way probably since magic and Larry, when the NBA really started to market themselves as a superstar league. And it's, you know, magic Johnson and the Lakers versus Larry bird and the Celtics, instead of saying, you know, Lakers versus Celtics. Um, you'll see it all the time on the ESPN promos. Um, 
you know, Steph Curry and the Warriors against Damian Lillard and the Trailblazers, and you'll see those two players pop up on that promo graphic. So obviously the NBA as a marketing machine does not want those players out of the game, but from a, a just a pure sport perspective, I think there needs to be a little bit more even even playing lines. Yeah, I, I, if, if it's even, I'm fine with it. If it's tic-tac for both sides, I'm cool with it. What I they will were... say about like star players getting treated differently. I never thought Boogie Cousins got like ref differently than any other player, but having him on my team, watching him rooting for him, I totally agree that there are certain players that get refed in a different light. So I think on one side it's Boogie where the leash is just the shortest thing it can possibly be, and then Draymond even though he bitches and moans probably worse than Boogie his leash is the longest I've ever seen from a dude who, like, is so demonstrative at him. Michael Jordan did it. I mean, there are ways to get refs on your side, but Draymond's not doing the thing that, you know, star players do. There were two plays that really stood out to me. One was in the first half. I think it was Aminu. Clay Thompson or one of those boys went up for a dunk, and he absolutely packed it. I mean, Aminu just blocked. No, it was, sh- uh, I think it was Bacaw. Either way, like they just completely sent it back, called for a foul, and it wasn't even it wasn't even close. I was up all the way up in three eleven. I saw that clear as day. The next and I think most impactful whistle of the entire game. We were fighting back. Uh, we had, we had a four point deficit. We went down got a bucket and we were struggling to get buckets. We finally got a bucket two point game about three minutes to go. We had 14 fouls at the time and they whistle Evan Turner for a hand check 30 feet away from the basket on Steph Curry. And it was right when the fans were really getting back into it, really starting to believe. And I thought that was just a bullshit whistle. It changed all of the momentum, get, put them back up for, and you know, we, we, we never really, um, were able to rebound. Uh, we missed, and then Steph Curry, I think, hit that ridiculous shot over Alan Crabb, put him up seven, and, and that was really all she wrote. And I just felt like that foul summed up that entire game, and it, really the entire season. It's like, you're really going to call that hand check 30 feet away from the basket with like 20 seconds left on the shot clock to put them into the penalty um, after all of the physicality they were allowed to do, swiping, grabbing, every time they trapped us in the corner. So I know the Warriors are the NBA's golden child, but um, even if we lose in, in game four, just I need to see much better officiating. I thought it was easily the worst officiated game of, of the three. Mm-hmm. And we were at home, so shouldn't the refs be more biased towards the home crowd? I mean, I feel like every Blazer fan says this, but my mom will always, will always talk about this. She's like, the day we start getting calls will be the first. <laughs> like we always just got crapped on. Even you, you look back at the 92 Blazers. We got so little respect that we did have to do the Chris Paul, like always going to the officials, but we wouldn't get the, the results. They called us like the, the um, I think it was Brian Gumble actually on like NBC said, like he hoped the Blazers didn't win because like we were like the cry Blazers or something like that. Just like the national media showed us no respect and we were a team coming off of an NBA finals appearance two years ago, uh, 63 wins the year after. 
And then we were, you know, slotted to meet Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls the entire year. It was like Drexler, Jordan, Blazers, Bulls. Yet they didn't give a fuck about us. Think of Portland, you know, the, the booming housing market. But in terms of sports, you know, they don't give a shit. They still think we're we're little bro. But I, you could tell from the beginning that the the official that officiating crew had a, a bit of an agenda, and it sucks that I thought it kept the Warriors afloat. And you combine that with a lot of dumb plays on our part, and you also factor in Nurkic not playing down the stretch, and then Clay getting hot. It's going to add up to a six-point Warrior victory and a 3-0 series lead. They are too good of a team to really give them any help. They do not need any extra help. If I go by my playoff preview podcast prediction, one would say yes. I said Blazers would would probably lose in five without Nurkic, and I think even though he played 17 minutes, the series has pretty much been without Nurkic. But I just have a bad feeling about tomorrow. I I know we're going to fight, and I know it's going to be a close game, but the way we lost, even though it didn't impact me as much, I think it probably impacted the players. You know, getting up 17 again on the Warriors and not being able to seal the deal. Um. I really want to predict a win just so I don't sound so like Debbie Downer. But I think we're going to lose. And I think, I think it'll be like another four, six point game. It's going to go back and forth, but yeah, it's, it's exactly. They're going to lay it out and Damon CJ are going to do everything they can, but we don't have the help. We don't have the help. And that's okay to admit. Um, and I know people are going to say, you know, why are, you know, cheap, cheap players like, you know, Patrick McCaw, second round rookie and, you know, JaVale McGee, an NBA outcast and, you know, Ian Clark, who's on a really good deal. Why are they, you know, torching us? Well, newsflash, all of the players that people bitch about in Portland who are overpaid or underproducing, Alan Crabb, Myers Leonard, Mo Harkless, um, Evan Turner, all of those dudes would be chopping us up if they played on the Golden State Warriors. So don't get it twisted. It is the Warriors system. It is their coaching staff. And it is having two of the greatest shooters of all time. And, oh, throw in Draymond Green and Kevin Durant in that roster. Yeah. You're going to get open looks. Yeah. I mean, you're going to get open looks. Those players that you mentioned, the stars, are going to cover up a lot of the mistakes Ian Clark and Patrick McCaw make. All Patrick McCaw has to do is play defense hard and he's going to get set up for some really easy shit. It's just the talent that they have is more than ours, so our role players have to actually do more. If we had Steph and Clay and Draymond, shit, all Alan Crabb has to do is spot up and play some sort of defense. Can you imagine Alan Crabb and Harrison Barnes' role last year? Yeah. Probably they, shoots 50% from three. Bro, no joke. He, he would get a max deal. We bitch, I bitch about his contract now. If he was on the Warriors last year, super ma- he'd be a max player. It's because of the team that's around him. So I'm, I don't get mad when JaVale goes off because Draymond's throwing him those perfect passes. It's not. And like- we have nobody over seven feet tall. Healthy. I mean, 
I've I've said Ian Clark's been a good player for a while. I mean, it ain't new to me that he plays well. So, yeah, those role players shine because they only have one thing to do. Remember when the Spurs were getting all of these random collection of dudes to play well? They did one thing well, and then if they could do a second thing well, they did it. They had Tim Duncan. They had this one-of-a-kind player. Same with the Warriors. Who is your X-Factor for Portland if they are to pull off the upset? Oh, man. Noah Vonley, I think. I know Alan Crabb has to get busy, but Noah has to play some defense on some really good players. Not only that, um, Noah is my answer as well. He's going to get back into the starting lineup. He's going to be probably one of our tallest players. He's going to have to command the backboard. He's going to have to patrol the paint. And he's going to have to be aggressive. I really thought game three was a coming out party for him. His, you know, this is his first real playoff action this series. And his jams were vicious. The follow up putback, the tip dunks. Uh, he looked like an animal out there. He finished with, with 10 and 7. About three dimes, too. In, in just 25 minutes. It was really nice to see him come of age. And... If you're looking for reasons to play in the playoffs, seeing Noah Von Lang in Game 3 was one of them. Um, he just looks like a different player, way different player than even earlier in this season. So he's going to have to play a big, big game. Um, he's going to get mashed up on either Pachulia or, or JaVale McGee when he comes in there. And a lot of times he's going to have to switch out and defend the guards. Um, I'd also say Alan Crabb needs more shots. I don't know why it is so difficult for this team to manufacture shots for him, but I don't think he's taken more than a total of, he's definitely taken under 15 total shots this this whole series. Um, he was two of three. He had that big four point play in, in game four, but you know, this dude, I'm going to continue to say it had the best three point shooting percentage year in, uh, of all trailblazers in franchise history. So why can't we get him shots? Um, Okay, he's taken 18 shots combined over the three games. He put up 10 in game two. But he's, he put up five in game one and three in game game three. Sage, my, my question is why? Yeah, I think I think a lot of it's more isolation ball and then it's not getting swung to him. If I was that's, to guess. That's what I'm thinking because if you watch the, the games and just going back and, and looking – Especially in that second half, it was a lot of dribbling. Mm-hmm. It was a, a lot of trying to get the matchup correctly, and it just seemed like he was stuck in the corner. And he's too valuable to the team to just to sit there. Yeah, I mean, I get the first game why he didn't get that many shots because our guards were on fire, and then I guess in the third, they were looking for theirs instead of you know being the playmaker for others but something has to change with if Allen's going to be a major part of our team and there's no reason to think he won't we have to actually put in the effort to get him the ball when he's in especially in the second unit when it's pretty difficult for us to manufacture points like it's basically CJ and then people just standing in the corners I think I think we're going to have to do I think we was gonna have to change something is going to have to change with that second unit 
to get the other four players involved, but it's a little late to talk about that now. We just have to stick with what we have and compete tomorrow. Yeah, Damon CJ combined for 46 of Portland's 90 uh, attempts, so just a little over half. And of course, that's with without Nurkic, that's where it has to come from. We don't really have the talent for it to for them not to be hyper aggressive. So it is what it is with what we have. So you know, but then you you look at if we had Nurk, he would get more shots. But just because of the the talent that we have on the court, it's just we can't really afford to do that. Yeah, without Nurkic, the spacing it does. Everything feels just boggled. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's harder for Dame and CJ to get to the rack. It's hard for them to get their shots because it's more crowded in the uh, in the center in the paint. You know, I got I got a little upset today. Uh, I was like, it could be six more months until we have Blazer basketball. Yeah, but. Again, this offseason's fucking important, so there's going to be things to talk about, but yeah, we probably won't see Blazers basketball for it's a It's still a two more while. months until the draft. Yeah. I guess that's, that's a long... I remember, and this is coming off of a really impressive playoff run last year, the wait until the draft took forever. Mm-hmm. And this, you know... We all know we get older, we grow up, years go by faster, days seem to fly by. Um, just yesterday it felt like it was the end of February and we were discussing at work how long the month of March felt, and now we're almost to, to freaking May. Mm-hmm. Uh, but man, when you really want something and you're waiting for it, time definitely does you no favors. Yeah, but I think, I, th- I think it goes pretty quick once the finals, I mean, we, we won't be in the, it goes pretty quick once the finals are over, then... Like the lottery happens and the draft is a few days away, so we oh yeah, to, I mean, I mean there will be basketball play, but it but won't it's not be, the same. It won't it's be not the same. It won't be it the is game not the same. I tried to watch some basketball today and I was like, eh, eh well, whatever. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I watch a bit, but it's just like, well, I, I don't really have a. I don't have a dog in the fight. Yeah, like, yeah, I mean. Once once the play once the Blazers are out, it's I'm just gonna watch as a fan, not as like a conscientious observer. So yeah, yeah, you know if it's a game I want to see, I'll watch. If not, I'll probably pick up one of my shows because if there's just something different about it when your team still has a chance left. Yeah, you want to see what the other teams are doing. You know what's going on in the East. Uh, maybe that next playoff series. You know, scout your next opponent. When your team's out, it, it's tough. It's tough. Because you've been through this, what, six, seven month just marathon of emotions, highs and lows, and you know the roller coaster of when you're feeling that, and it, the realization that it's coming to an end. It's tough, and it's just nice to kind of break away for a little bit. Yeah. So you don't think our GM or coach is getting fired, right? Absolutely not. I don't think so either. I I mean I've said this from like day one. I want to associate the gun, drop some good defense, but I, I, I will say I our defense has been very good this series. Yeah, yeah, this series it has been, but this series and it's gotten better with with Nurkic. Stotts is finally 
sending doubles against opponents that need double sent, trapping when it needs to be. He's not playing it by the book as much. But go back and, and watch these games. Outside of the bullshit lobs to JaVale McGee, which only take place because of our injured bigs, Portland is making life pretty miserable for, for Clay and Steph. The shots, the shots they're hitting are ridiculous. And the way we're able to switch, um, I'm thrilled with our defense. I thought we, I think we have played some impressive defense. It got away from us a little bit in game two, but it's the fucking Warriors. They're going to get away from even an all time great defense over the course of a seven game series. Um, I don't know if Steph or Clay has shot better than 50% in a single game uh, this year. It's really just some of the role players getting the open looks based upon the attention that you have to put on, on those two shooters. But, but you know, 119 to the Warriors, that's a lot. But when, but when you factor in that they took, what, they made 27 free throws, you know, you did your job. You, you, we played well defensively. I would say we have played well enough defensively two out of the three games t- to win. And I firmly believe with a healthy Nurkic, we would be up in the series 2 1. They do not have an answer for him down low. And that's what gives me hope going into next year is if Nurkic is healthy, there's no team to fear if you're the Portland Trailblazers because he just give he is the difference especially against a team like Golden State who starts Zaza Pachulia. They they are capped out. There's no way for them to upgrade that center position. And I think people kind of forget that, that this is the team the Warriors are going to be for, for a little bit. Yeah, it's a fucking amazing team when you can play all those skill players, but when you get a guy like Nurkic and you've got Portland's backcourt that can emulate Golden State's own and hold their own there, now you're looking at a Durant versus Nurkic, almost which which other player is going to have a bigger impact. I'm not saying Nurkic is a better player than Durant, but he, he gives a different element and maybe a more difficult one to defend against given the current state of roster composition. We could at least throw Harkless and Aminu out at, at Durant. Golden State can't do shit about Nurkic. So again, regardless of whether we win or lose tomorrow, just hope they fight, which they will, and no injuries occur, and we can go into the offseason knowing that we have a legit big three. Yeah. I mean, all I really care about is no injuries. I know that they're going to play hard, so just no one gets hurt, no offseason no off surgeries. That 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 is a goal that I want. Yep. No offseason surgeries. Fill the holes that we have. Um, utilize our assets because... You know, I think we're going to be a real fun team next year. I know that's the mantra for Blazer fans is always next year, but, you know, fuck it. We're a small market team that can only improve through the draft and trades. And we've drafted well. We've made a fantastic trade. We've got three picks upcoming. We are the only team in the last 33 years to not have a player over the age of 29 on our playoff roster. We're the youngest team in the NBA. Um, Our core is locked up. Damon CJ, they're they're here. They're not going anywhere. Uh, exactly. So I, I don't I guess I'm thinking long term here, but I don't under I don't see the the 
maybe the potential sweep or, or five game series against the Warriors as something to look back upon and say, you know what, that was that was bullshit. Yeah, why, like, did, like when, why did we even do that? When we're in the finals in, in three or four years, it really doesn't matter that this series or that game two nights ago sucked. Dave and CJ and Nurk probably won't think about it. And memories are faulty as fuck. You could think of like bad moments, and then a few of the years later, they're positive things in your life. So I don't think this moment right now. I know I know a lot of people in Portland are sad about the game. It's not really a big deal in the grand scheme of things. I mean, you hit it correctly. Like nobody expected us to beat the Warriors. We all went into the series just hoping for competitive basketball, and outside of two quarters against one of the greatest teams ever. We played them very tough. It's been very entertaining basketball, and that's all you can ask for. Mm-hmm. You ready to wrap? I mean, it's eleven twenty-three on a Sunday night. Your boys got to get up for work. I know you're tired, Sage. I think it's uh, we both predicted a loss, but we would love to be proven wrong and play one more game. If there is a game five, it would be on my birthday, so maybe some. Some karma would be in the air, and we maybe steal a game five. But let's just see how game four plays out first, and hope for the best. If you like what you're hearing on this podcast, you know definitely give us a, a subscription on iTunes. Uh, give us that five star review. Leave us a comment. We're also on Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Google Play at Holy Backboard PDX, and you can find us on social: Instagram, Facebook, Twitter at Holy Backboard. Sage, thanks again for. An amazing season. I'm hoping it's not going to come to an end. If it does, we'll still be here providing the the Blazer content on you know either a weekly or a biweekly basis yeah, in I the mean, in the off season. So this, this won't be the last year impo- for us. Yeah, off season's important. We actually have some assets that we can do something with. I mean, the MLE. I mean, we're we're out, we're operating over the cap, so we have the MLE and the BAE and three picks. That I mean, that's five potential roster spots that we can talk about. So there's definitely going to be some stuff. And then, uh, you know, one thing I've learned about uh, not having a lot of resources at hand is to be very creative. So you'll be hearing about us some for some fun stuff as well. But let's postpone these chats. Let's 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 get a victory for this season, Sage. Uh, I know it's going to be tough, but that's a, that's a lofty goal. Um, I, I wouldn't bet. I, I, I just, I'm just expecting them to play hard. I'm, I'm just gonna enjoy the last game, or the potentially last game of the year. Potential, yeah. potential. That's I, I, the word. I mean, I'm just, I'm just gonna enjoy Blazers basketball. Whatever happens, happens. This isn't the, this, this isn't the end all, be all. There's gonna be a next year. Wherever you may be, this is Bill Shinley. Good night, everybody. Let's go. Let's go.